0: Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend, Chapter 20 Shelley refused to look at him. On any other day, this would not have been a problem for Filthy Henry. In fact, he would have relished the lack of attention. Since he had known her, Shelley had tended to pick the worst possible moments to ask her questions on fairies and magic. It made it very difficult to think about solving cases. A person needed a level of silence, solitude even, to allow proper thinking to take place. Constant questions about mundane things or general chit-chat about nonsense topics only derailed a person's thought process. Worse still, It gave the impression that neither of them knew exactly what was really going on, as one person had to constantly educate the other on matters mystical. Clients generally liked their magic using fairy detectives, to know more about magic than normal people. Now though, the fairy detective would have gladly had Shelley ask him a question about something stupid. It would at least have given him an indication that there was, in some tiny way, a possibility of things going back to how they had been before. Filthy Henry sat at the kitchen table, a mug of lukewarm coffee held in his hands. Drew sat in the chair to his left, glancing between Filthy Henry and Shelley when he thought both weren't looking and doing a dreadful job at being discreet every time. Cahill, having woken up, was sitting opposite the fairy detective. The memory wipe had made him forget a lot of what had taken place in the forest, but not enough to make him want to hold the silver hurly stick. Since they had come back to the house, He had barely looked at the artefact, let alone touched it. Cahill's primary concern at the minute was trying to figure out why his face felt like it had been punched, a topic Filthy Henry was staying away from completely. On the sofa, Mammy Cullen sat, feeding a bottle to the baby. Beside her was Alice, looking like she was currently suffering from the worst hangover in her life, as the effects of the love spell wore off. Nobody spoke or even seemed inclined to start a conversation. As planning sessions went, this one was off to a disastrous start. The fairy detective cleared his throat and moved his chair, so that everyone in the room could see his face clearly. We're in trouble here, he said bluntly. You've got that right, sunshine, Mammy Cullen said. You can't just go around the place moving into people's homes when they're living in them. That's a hostage situation right there. One of those panda kidnapping things. Do you mean a uh, tiger kidnapping? Drew asked. Yeah, Mammy Cullen said. Those things. I knew it was some sort of Oriental animal. Anyway, you can't just go doing them sort of things. Ah oh, ma, Carl said, rubbing at his forehead. Just leave it, will you? These aren't crooks. There's a lot of stuff going on at that. Just, just leave it for once. She let out a snort and returned her attention to the baby in her arms. Moving on, before this turns into some sort of daytime chat show, we're in trouble. My great plan had revolved around Cahill unlocking the power of the hurley stick and beating the bad guys away in a very literal fashion. Now it turns out we may have put all our eggs into a basket but no bottom. Cahill looked like he was about to respond with a smart remark, thought better of it, then leaned back in his chair and crossed his arms. Then we just go and find the right person, Drew said. I mean, that's what you're going to say, right? Filthy Henry shook his head. Over at the kitchen counter, Shelley let out a soft laugh. No, that isn't what he's going to say at all. In typical Filthy Henry fashion, he's going to lie his way through life and come up with a crazy plan that involves taking a risk. And a shortcut. Her tone hid nothing. But the way she had called him Filthy Henry stung the fairy detective. Despite it being his chosen name, Shelley rarely used it. The fairy folk referred to him as a filthy half-breed, since a half-human half-fairy was considered an abomination. Shelley seemed to think that the moniker used to annoy the fairy folk and show them that they would need bigger sticks to break his bones was not to be used by his friends. Rarely did Shelley call him it, preferring instead to just use Henry. If that little friendly trait had changed, then the fairy detective figured he was in more trouble with her than he realised. Eh, Not exactly, he said. I have a plan, more or less. Well, let's hear it then, Shelley said. I'd like to hear this one as well, Cahill said. Since it is going to be me out in the bloody field fighting those guys thanks to you. Everyone's a critic these days, Filthy Henry said. Drew nodded his head and raised an eyebrow at the fairy detective. Well, they have a point. I mean... You're known throughout the land as a guy who comes up with plans that a sane person would never consider. Plus, Cahill's going to be the only one of us out there in actual danger. Filthy Henry leaned forward on his chair and stared at Alice. Do you want to add anything to this, since everyone else has thrown their oar in? She shook her head quickly and looked down at her feet, so intensely that the fairy detective half expected her eyeballs to fall out. Can't he just do the big blast of magic again? Drew asked pointing at the hurley stick. "'I mean, you said it destroyed a section of the forest out there. "'At least he got it doing something. "'Who cares if it isn't the right thing?' "'Filthy Henry shook his head. "'Beside him, Cottle let out a long sigh. "'We can't risk him doing that again. "'I'm not even sure how he managed to do it in the first place. "'Artifacts should only work for their intended person in a very specific way. "'And however Cottle did what he did "'isn't how the hurley's meant to be used.' Plus I can't remember how I got it working in the first place, Cahill said, gently touching the bruised part of his face. All I really remember is a big flash of light. Then I guess whatever happened knocked me out cold until I woke up back here. I'm not sure I could make the hurley stick do whatever it did again if I'm being honest. Although maybe that explains the sore face. Yeah, that hurley stick has a strange way of knocking people out, Shelley said. Look, a mere hour away on foot there's a hovel with a witch. A time-travelling queen and two thugs that are not in their own bodies. I don't know about anyone else, but that's too many bad guys living close by for my liking. You could be out walking your dog and accidentally bump into them. They're that close. Nobody voiced any opinions on that statement. Cahill continued to rub the sore part of his face. Shelley had started to scowl at the fairy detective. Drew was, apparently enjoying being not in trouble with anybody for a change, while the ladies on the sofa had kept to themselves. Right the fairy detective said, standing up and looking around the room. You lot are just going to have to trust me on this one. The new plan is as follows. We're going to set up some traps in the forest beside the field. Cahill shows up, the day's battle commences, and the first thing he does is run into the forest. With a bit of speed and a pinch of luck, we, meaning Cahill, draw Maeve's men towards our traps and take them out of the game. Then after seven days we win by default because Cahill will be the last person standing simple. He spread his arms wide and grinned at the assembled faces. For some reason Filthy Henry had a strange notion that somebody would have started clapping at his brilliant idea. After all, it involved no bloodshed and more or less ensured that Cahill did not have to fight, reverting to the skinny man's more natural state of flight. Instead, all the fairy detective got was silence and blank expressions, like he had just asked everyone to work the weekend without getting paid. The druid coughed. Speak, Filthy Henry said, lowering his arms and rubbing his eyes hard. "Uh, I'm just thinking, uh, isn't that like a terrible plan? What do you mean? Well, for starters, you're hoping that Call over there can outrun whoever Maeve throws at us. No, that's the easy bit, Filthy Henry said. How hard can running really be? It's a lot easier than fighting, than trying to take a punch, or worse still, throw one. You just do the whole walking thing, extra fast, and don't stop. Mabby Cullen started to make cooing noises at the baby in her arms. Every few seconds the child would let out a little gurgle, a gummy smile on his chubby face. Filthy Henry found it equal parts cute and annoying. There was a time and a place to entertain children, he figured. During a meeting where people were coming up with a plan to save the world it was not one of those times. Cahill raised his hand slowly into the air like a kid in a classroom. What now? Filthy Henry snapped. I'm not that great at running, Cahill said, lowering his hand. Plus, we can't just hold up the hurley stick for them to see and, you know, fake it. You've done some magic. Can't we make them look all big and imposing and scare them off that way? It won't work, Shelley said, much to the fairy detective's surprise. We're bound by the rules. Filthy Henry has been explicitly told he can't interfere using direct magical means. Which means is that exactly? Mammy Cullen asked. No card tricks. No rabbits out of a hat. Magic. (laughs) You can't be serious. It means that your son needs to get on board with my plan, Filthy Henry said, dropping back down onto his chair. He held up his left hand and conjured a small ball of light, which floated in the air. And yeah, We're deadly serious about the magic. Mammy Cullen stared at the ball of light, clearly amazed. When he closed his hand, dispersing the spell, she continued to stare at the fairy detective. Alice murmured in a voice so low that for a moment Filthy Henry was not entirely sure she'd even spoken. It was not until Mammy Cullen gave her an encouraging nod of the head that she spoke up. I have a question. Go on, Filthy Henry said. Everybody else is well, aren't you breaking these rules already by using Cahill instead of whoever's actually meant to be holding that silver hurley stick? Drew pursed his lips and nodded sagely. She's got a point. If you yourself can't get involved, what's to say the wrong person isn't going to cause problems? Filthy Henry started to drum his fingers on the table surface. A valid point had been made, one which he had not considered himself. A point which displeased him greatly. The had been fairly clear that only a true descendant of Ku Cullen could defeat the forces of badness. Everyone else, including the fairy detective, had to remain firmly on the sidelines. But they had spent the last few days working with the wrong person. Was it possible that making Cahill show up on the day was going to cause the baddies to win by default? He looked over at Shelley. Shelley stared back with a look that could have killed not only the fairy detective, but anyone in a direct line behind him. For maybe five miles. You said the Mariah was talking to you earlier. Is she still around? Shetty shrugged. I didn't bother to ask her about her current accommodation, but that's what you're asking, she said. I got a message, had a quick conversation, and off she went. But did she mention that we found the wrong guy? That Cahill wasn't the guy we needed? Mammy Cullen rose slowly from her spot on the sofa. Baby clasped tightly to her left shoulder with both hands. I've been here now for over two hours and I'm getting a little sick and tired of you all calling my son by the wrong name. Drew and Filthy Henry turned in their chairs and looked at the imposing figure of Mammy Cullen. Sorry, Filthy Henry said. Oh, don't get her started on this crap again, Cahill said, shaking his head. You shut your mouth, Mammy Cullen said to Cahill. Traditions are important. And i will be damned if you decide to just ignore this one because you don't like your name. More so when you have a grumpy version of Barry Trotter in your house. Barry Trotter? Filthy Henry asked, confused. Don't you mean Harry Potter? Shelley waved at him to stop talking and walked over from the kitchen counter to stand behind the sofa. Mrs Cullen, can you explain, please, what you mean? Cahill is a family name, Mammy Cullen said. Going back generations, all the males in the Cullen family have been called Cahill. But they're never meant to use it. Instead, they all went by their middle names. Ulysses over there decided that he didn't like the tradition and insisted on everyone calling him by his first name. It broke his father's heart. God rest him. Filthy Henry looked over at Cahill. You're not Cahill Cullen, he asked. I am, Cahill said. "Call Ulysses Cullen the fairy detective frowned. So that explains what your mother was nattering on about when she first arrived, saying this house belonged to Ulysses. Drew the Druid laughed. Do you know if you take the first letter of your first and middle names, you're C.U. Cullen, he said. Like Coo Cullen, only missing some letters. Next thing your mummy will be telling us that every male has had the same initials. They have had, Mummy Cullen said. Going back as far as records can go, every male Cullen has had Cahill as a first name and a middle name beginning with you. Just none of them have ever had a brother all, well. not until Ulysses became a big brother to this little bundle of bubbly joy. The fairy detective heard his mental penny drop. He stood up from the table once again and walked slowly across the room towards Mammy Cullen, who remained firmly in her seat. When he stood in front of her, Filthy Henry looked down at the baby resting its head on her shoulder. So what's this little one's name? Mammy Cullen smiled with the pride of a mother. Ulton, she said. Call Ulton Cullen. It was rare to get an assignment for Maeve that involved going to the local pub and having a few beverages. But Nolan and True, never once to question the orders of their queen when said orders involved alcohol consumption, had jumped in the car and headed straight for Carlingford. With True behind the wheel, they drove to the favourite watering hole of his host body. The bouncer out front simply waved them in, giving each a friendly nod of the head as he held the door open. They sat down on two free barstools, ordered a couple of pints, then began the task set out before them. Maeve, after having a somewhat heated discussion with the Crone, had decided that more bodies were required for the upcoming fight. It meant that Noll and Trug, using the faces of the men they currently inhabited, were sent to bring back some friends. Friends of limited intelligence and high levels of greed. How come a lie never sent us out for a drink before a big fight? True Ghast. A lot more guys would get on board with the killing and maiming if they could get drunk. Noll rolled his eyes, took a mouthful of his drink, savouring the taste. It's that sort of thinking that'll keep you as a fighter and not a leader, noll said. Now shut up and try and remember what these guys look like. I'm just saying is all, Trug said, sipping his pint. They both started to look around the pub for faces that either of them recognised. It was a strange sensation. One Noll was still having trouble fully adjusting to. Memories not his own flooded his mind as he tried to find a face that he himself had never seen. In a way, this occupation of a different body was like constantly being drunk. You were never sure if the thought currently in your head was your own or a weird mixture of something from the body and a genuine memory. What Nall did find odd, aside from the fact that he was walking five miles in another man's shoes, in the most literal sense, was the memories of his host's body seemed to be fading. The longer both minds occupied the same brain, the less of the original owner remained. Which was fine by Nall. If it came down to being dead or slowly pushing another man out of his own body, Null knew which course of action he had a preference for. With that selfish thought crossing his mind, the short man spied a possible group of men his host knew. In the corner of the bar, crammed around a small table, meant to sit only three adults, five men caught Null's attention. They all wore clothes that desperately needed to be introduced to a washing machine or possibly a fire. Their faces had the sort of stubble that could be used to light a match. Collectively, they seemed to have 30 teeth, which was a good indication that they'd been involved in more than their fair share of fights. Noll reckoned the man showing more gum than the rest had probably even started most of the fights, the others merely joining in. The short man nudged Trugan the ribs with a not-so-gentle elbow jab, then motioned towards the group with a nod of his head. Think so? Troog said, reaching back to pick up his pint glass and drain half of it in one go. Let's go over then, Nall said. I'm finding it hard to remember if we fight with or beside these guys on a regular basis. With glasses in hand, they both walked over to the group. The nearest of the five spotted their approach and frowned. He leaned over and tapped the man with the fewest teeth on the shoulder, then pointed at the pair as they drew near. "'What did I say to you last time?' the Toothless Wonder asked them. Noll and Trug stopped two feet from the table and looked at each other. "'Could you be a bit more precise?' Noll asked the Toothless Wonder. "'I've had a skinful in me the past week. I'm just about able to remember my own name.' "'Mickey, I told you I'd rip your teeth out to your nostrils and feed them to you "'with that walking pile of horse crap you call a friend there.' Nall checked through his increasingly deteriorating host memories and was unsure which of them, himself or true, currently were in control of Mickey. Either way it seemed a moot point as clearly the memory concerning this band of merry drinkers had been incorrect. They were the sort of associates Nall's host had got involved in fights with not joined fights alongside which meant that the conversation now had to take a turn that prevented any violence from happening right there and then drawing attention to themselves was a surefire way to only delay the recruiting effort and annoy Maeve. True, however, had other ideas. The large man took one giant step towards the nearest member of the drinkers and grabbed him by the collar of his jacket. Downing the rest of his drink in one go, True decided that the best place to leave the empty pint glass was in the face of the man he held at that very moment. This was, of course, Unfortunate on the part of both the glass and the man whose face it was introduced to, the glass shattered into a thousand razor-sharp fragments, each of which sliced the man's face. Blood gruesomely poured from the cuts, falling onto the floor. Trug then, for good measure, punched his victim in the stomach and dropped him to the ground. Around them the patrons of the pub grew silent, looking in a not-so-obvious way at the fracas that had occurred while ensuring that their paths to the nearest exits were clear. The barman had given a slight nod of his head and two bouncers stepped into view, remaining in place as they observed what was happening. As the man curled up into the fetal position, Trug turned and looked menacingly at the rest of the men sitting round the table, challenging them to move. A silence descended on the already silent pub. It was compounded silence, one that could be felt on a person's shoulders. Knoll simply stared dumbfounded as events unfolded and wondered if his current body was fast enough to get out of the building before knives were introduced to stomachs. The toothless wonder smiled wide and spread out his arms. Mickey, I swear to God, there was no need for any of that kind of stuff. Sit down here, you mad idiot. Namrab, two pints of the good stuff and a mop. Seems like we've had a little accident over here. The barman rolled his eyes and waved the bouncers away. Everyone started to drink again, conversations returning as the patrons realised the show was over and nobody was going to be killed. Noll reached over and grabbed True by the arm. What the hell was that about? He hissed. You're meant to talk with the brains of the operation before performing a facelift on somebody. You look like you weren't able to remember nothing about these guys, True said, his voice low so only Noel could hear him clearly. So I just stepped in is all. The other guy in my head helped out a bit, showed me what was what. I knew the smashy glass thing would work a treat. He sat down on the now vacant seat, stepping over the bleeding man and grinned at the group. Noel wondered if the lack of intelligence in his longtime friend's head had somehow slowed the process of the memory replacement in his host. If you had fewer thoughts than a newborn child to begin with, presumably an already occupied mind could keep everything together without any problems. He grabbed a free stool from a nearby table, plonked it down beside Trug, narrowly avoiding the man on the floor. Danny, Trug said to the toothless wonder, we've some work coming up. Danny leaned back in his seat and nodded. Really now, he said. "this anything like that crap you tried to pull a few months back. He looked directly at Noel. Noel decided to not even bother searching for any knowledge of this last job in his head. It was clear from the tone that the job hadn't gone well. Nah, he said to Danny. Nothing like that last one. Sure, that was all taught up when we were half cut. No, this one's simple and straightforward. Planned out. No tricks. All the ducks are in. Uh, would just shut up already, Danny said, slamming his head onto the table. A bar came over with two pints and placed them down in front of Truganol. She avoided all eye contact with the men around the table and slipped away quickly and quietly. Anyway, Nol said, sliding his drink closer. This one's as easy as they come. We've a lad needs a few slaps. Taught a lesson. He annoyed this woman who wants him to remember a beating. You know the sort of woman I'm on about. Doesn't like being scorned, holds a grudge. Likes her men in body bags, if preferable, and at the side of the road, if not. You're using a load of fancy words, Billy, the man closest to Danny said. What's scorned? True placed his hand on Noel's shoulder and pulled him back from the table. We've got to throw some punches, get stoned on some mad crap, and paid at the end of it all. Enough for everyone at this table to be knee-deep in women and booze for the rest of the year. Who's in? Trug said, looking round at the faces. A resounding cry rose from the table, including the blood-soaked man on the floor, as they agreed to join in. Trug looked at Null, very confused. How is it that I managed to get them on side faster than you? Null shrugged. I don't bloody know, he said. Maybe because I don't speak the language of the repeatedly concussed like you do. True frowned. Repeatedly what? Ah, forget it, Noll said sullenly, lifting his drink and taking a large mouthful. Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend is a novel by Derek Power. More Filthy Henry novels are available to buy on Amazon Kindle. Narration and Music by Niall Milton To keep up to date with episodes this season, why not subscribe, or like, or share? We'd really appreciate it.